Hey guys, I'm Jaquees. And I'm Dallas. And you're listening to Don't Make It Weird. A new podcast where we work to promote unity and acceptance, eliminate superficial borders, and empower others to live from the heart by showcasing various worldviews. Thanks for tuning into our first episode. We know that you guys don't really know us, so we're going to take this time to introduce ourselves. And then we're going to play a really fun game, and you guys will get to know us a little bit further. So as I said earlier, my name is Dallas. Dallas Nicole Adams. Love that because my initials are DNA, best initials of all time. I'm 23. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, but honestly, I've lived so many different places. I really don't even know if I could consider Memphis my real hometown. <laughs> um, I currently am a marketing professional. Yay! Confetti, fireworks. <laughs> I have a real big girl job. And my hobbies include... I don't know, doing this podcast, writing. I love writing poetry. I like singing and dancing in my living room. I sing in a church choir. I really like to read. I like to watch documentaries. I like to learn. I also really like to take baths and play with candles. (laughs) Basically, I am a cat. Give me food, give me a blanket, and give me something quiet to do by myself with nobody else and i am yours forever pretty much that's me (laughs) so what about you my name is jakees harden i'm 22 years old i'm not quite professional on the corporate level but i am professional in the music world i do sing with the st louis symphony orchestra in the st louis symphony chorus as well as the st louis symphony in unison chorus uh, I've also studied mass comm with a minor in music with a focus on television and radio. I enjoy golf. I enjoy fishing. I enjoy playing the piano. Kind of like an old man, really. Yeah. <laughs> a little old man. I enjoy watching movies and watching old sitcoms like Roseanne and Everybody Loves Raymond and The King of Queens. <laughs> but that's really me in a nutshell. I'm an outgoing person. I really enjoy being with people. I really enjoy socializing and being in public places and just being out of the house and being active. It's, you know, I don't I don't let grass grow under my feet at all. If I can always do something, I will. If I can always go somewhere, like I will. <laughs> Hashtag can't relate. Uh, because if you locked me in my room for three days straight, I would consider it a gift. Mm, no. And a blessing. I would die. Just give me snacks and I'll be okay. No, I would die. I would feel fat. I would need a shower. I would feel... I mean, I'd have a... I'd still have my bathroom. But I would get lightheaded because I'd be breathing in the same air for the past three days. I need to be outside. I just, you know, open the windows or something. I, I just couldn't do it. And this, friends, is what makes Don't Make It Weird such a great thing to listen to because we literally are two opposite people that have a collective goal. Mm -hmm. So as we say here on the podcast, say what you must, just don't Don't make make it it weird. weird. So this week, we want to start off and have fun. We want to have like an icebreaker, something to just get us in the mood really of being on the mic, but Mm -hmm. also get you ready to listen to us for the next however long you've committed to listen to us today. Yeah. So this week, to get to know us a little further, I have some questions that we're going to answer. Mm-hmm. Super fun questions. Mm-hmm. So 
You ready? I'm ready. You're going to answer first. I got to answer first? Yep. Because I wrote the question. <laughs> okay. I guess that's fair. What we got? It's the first one. All right. I got to go with the fun one first. Okay. How useful would you be in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> and what survival skills do you have that are going to help you and your friends and family survive? Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. So your usefulness in the zombie apocalypse. You know what? Is... Prayer is the answer for all things. I don't. I don't really know what I would do in a zombie apocalypse. I don't. I probably be more scared than anybody else. Really, you know. I'd just be like, you know, God, you see us. I need you to help me. I'm calling on your name. <laughs> I need you to come <laughs> in the midst of these zombies <laughs> and be the rescuer that you are. I don't know. I don't think I'd be of any real help at all. I mean, you fish, so you could possibly hunt food. Right. Can you, like, start a fire? Like, do you have any other... I mean... Can I th- you sew clothes? Like, if you have to be in a tribe, but what it's are you a zombie. It's a zombie apocalypse, though. It's so not... So you've never watched The Walking Dead, right? Not ex- exactly. Okay, so in, there's, like, communities of people that kind of form together, but right. everybody has, like... A usefulness. Even Carl, the child in the series, mm-hmm. he's got to do something. Like you have sure. to earn your keep. So I get that. Like, what type of? But I feel like a zombie apocalypse is different from like the Hunger Games or some sort of survival show. It, you know? You're running away from zombies. I mean, you gotta survive. Well, I I don't know what I do. You can fish. But I'm a fish for, in a zombie Me. apocalypse. I'll fish for you. Get me food because I need it. All right. I'll get you what the zombies are eating. I wouldn't last in a zombie apocalypse if there wasn't any food around. And you know this. Mm -hmm. So in a zombie apocalypse, I feel like I'd be very useful in a zombie apocalypse. Considering the fact that, A, I'm going to die. And I feel like my adrenaline is really high when stress comes about. So I think I'd be awesome Okay. in a zombie apocalypse. And my survival skills are A1. My survival skills are A1 because I watched The Walking Dead. Okay, so mm-hmm. I already know what to do. Okay. Michonne taught me what I need to do. Really? Get katanas <laughs> and learn how to use them. Okay. And my little brother just got katanas for Christmas. Ah. Shout out to <clears throat> Caroline. <laughs> Is delegation a survival skill? No. Okay. Not at all. I feel like it would be. I'd be the leader of the tribe. Zombies don't talk. No, of the people who are still alive. Oh. Mm, you're not always right. That doesn't have anything to do with delegation. Well, I feel like there will come a point where you'd be like, all right, guys, we need to go down there and kick some zombie butt and let them know that we're not taking their crap anymore. Uh, and sounds really legitimately me, one. And, and then also everybody dies. Valid. It's not true. My people would be ready. You start fighting We'd and then you realize. We'd leave you at the camp with the children yeah, to okay. pray. And then you'd be running back. Like, yeah, maybe perhaps we shouldn't have done Eventually, that. Eventually we are going to have to come back because that's home. And we left the babies with you. Right. We kind of get scared. Okay. Anyways, what's the next question? (laughs) What would be your first question after being cryogenically frozen for 100 years? I bet you can guess what my first question would be. Where's the food? Where is the food? (laughs) (laughs) What do y'all have to eat? Oh, man. 
It's been a hundred years. I'm probably starving. I can't go more in life than like six hours without food. I turn into a grumpy cat. Yeah. What would be your first question? I feel like my first question would be, what year is it? It's been a hundred years. Well. Oh, well, I mean, you technically. I mean, I may, I may not know it's been a hundred years, but I would want to know, like, what year is it? Because I don't know if it would feel like I've been frozen for a long time or if it's kind of like when you go under anesthesia, you just go to sleep and then you instantly wake back up and it's been six hours and you have a new face, you know. Well, I know what it would feel like. (laughs) You'd be hungry. (laughs) I don't think I'd be hungry. I think I'd be trying to get to a fireplace or something. Your priorities? Some central heat. Your priorities, they are in order. Just feel like they're out of order Mm. when it comes to food. Well, you know... I'm going to be a good grandma. Are you hungry? Because I'm hungry. No, grandma, I'm cold. Let me in the house. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness. What else we got here? If your childhood had a smell, what would it smell like? Hmm. That's a good question. If my childhood had a smell, what would it be? I guess I'd have to say... Blueberry vest. Ha ha. Or the blue raspberry vest. What is a vest? Oh, I guess they don't have that in the South. So, vest is a brand of soda that's that's up here. I don't know if it's all across the North, but it is in the Midwest Did region. Did you even tell them that you were from the Midwest? I don't think you told them where you're from. I'm from O'Fallon, Illinois. Which is basically... About the fi- outskirts of St. Louis, yeah, which is about, where we're at now. Yeah, about 15, 20 minutes um, east of St. Louis. But anyway, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a brand of soda. It's called Vess. That, that, that's really what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So blueberries. And they're really and- cheap, too. They're really cheap, too. They're like, uh, what, 59 or 69 cents? Maybe okay. 79 cents. I think the cans might be 59. Do you guys have Shasta up here? Sounds familiar. What is that? That's probably the equivalent to this. Maybe. Yeah. Because we got all the flavors. Shasta. Peach, pineapple, raspberry, yeah, blue raspberry, cola, root Man. beer. Well, my childhood, this is going to make my dad laugh like he's mm-hmm. going to roll. When I think of my childhood, I think mud. I smell dirt and rain. Wow. It's going to make my dad laugh because when I was little, I used to eat dirt. So I that's would... why your mouth is so filthy. That's, that's what it was. Mm, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you are the only person amused here. No, there are, uh, there's at least 10 people listening that's laughing right now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. It probably is why my mouth is so dirty. Uh. But yeah, that's what my childhood would smell like. I grew up in Hawaii, so a lot of times, like that earthy rain smell, like when rain hits earth, mm-hmm. that type of smell. Yeah. That's what my childhood smells like to me. Because to me, it's one of the best smells ever. Like I love the smell. I love the smell of cut grass. Oh, I do too. I love the smell of fresh rain on like asphalt or anything like that. I just love the smell of rain. Mm-hmm. I'm a nature girl. I can dig it. I can dig it. 
So a question I'm going to ask you is, among your friends and family, what are you most famous for? You really want to know? What I'm most known for among family and friends? This is sad to say. I'm bossy. Mm. I feel like bossy is a bad word. The word that they should use, right? I feel like it should be forward thinking. A forward thinking leader. No, that's two different things. No, it's not. Bossy, you know. I'm thinking of the future and leading you to that. So, therefore, forward thinking. But how, how you lead someone to something makes you bossy. I can't help it. Yes, you can. No, I can't. You just choose to do it. No, I can't help it. You can. You can do what you want. Yeah, I know I can do what I want. What I'm and saying you choose is... To be bossy. No. Because it's most comfortable for you. That's not fair to say because everybody has their different ways of communicating with people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just the way that you communicate with people. You don't mean anything by it. You're trying your hardest. But this is how you communicate with people. And with me, when it's time to get business done or if it's time to do chores... I understand. I want to get to business. Like, I'm not about to sit here and be like, oh, you did such a good job on cleaning the toilet. Can you please clean the sink? Like, no, you're in charge of cleaning the bathroom. This is how we get done quicker. I understand. I'm kind of the same way, too, when it comes to getting stuff done. So I wouldn't. I'm not bossy, though. I feel like bossy is a negative connotation that people usually only use with women. Because with men, it'd be like, oh, he's just assertive. Or getting things done. But when you're a woman, it's like, oh, she's being bossy because she should have on an apron and be presenting you with cupcakes as she asks you to do things. Here we go. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> how I felt. <laughs> what about you? What are you most known for in Me, your family circle? I think I'm most known for quoting movies. I absolutely love quoting movies and... At some at some points, even acting out certain scenes and making <laughs> my my siblings laugh, it's it, it's really funny. And so they're always saying, you know, or do that one part of the movie or do that one uh, Norbit impersonation or whatever. <laughs> and so I guess that's probably what I'm most famous for. I feel like we have that in common a little bit because every time I see my mom, she wants me to do that bit from me from Bridesmaids. But that's like the only movie you got. No, it's not. I have a lot of different movies. The only one you ever talk about is Bridesmaids. The one that everybody talks about collectively <laughs> is Bridesmaids. Okay. I mean, you have Norbin. That's like my equivalent to your Norbin. Okay. That's the one that everybody knows <laughs> you for, but you have more in your head. Uh-huh. Okay, I want to ask a deeper question. There are two types of people in this world. What are the two types? Wow, that's a that's a tough one. Should have thought about that before. Yeah. You want me to go first, or yeah? Okay. 
So the two types of people in this world to me are people who love and people who don't. I tell you all the time that there are two, there are only two places from where everything stems from. Mm -hmm. And it's either love or fear. Mm -hmm. So really I should say there's two types of people, people who love and people who fear. Okay. When you're acting from a place of love, you get all of the love emotions. You get generosity, you get compassion, you get empathy, you get kindness, you get people who are more tolerant, people who are really just trying to navigate the world to know themselves better, people who aren't always looking for the sky to fall in, Mm -hmm. people who are looking on the bright side even when things cave in around them, people who know genuinely that they're always safe and protected and taken care of. They're people who live in love. Mm Mm-hmm. Or there are people who live in fear. Okay. People who are too afraid to move. They're too afraid of success to be great, so they'd rather be mediocre. People who hate. People who are bigots. People who are closed-minded. People who are exclusive. Mm -hmm. People who literally are just afraid of everything, and so they'd rather make some sort of irrational excuse for why they can't try new things why they can't be around certain people why they can't do certain things okay people who live in that can't or that lack mentality okay so people who love live in abundance and people who fear and live in a constant state of lack those are the two types of people I see in the world yeah hmm I don't know. I feel like in my world, it's it's not as cut and dry. Like, I feel like there's room for one more option. Well, you only get two options in this question. <laughs> yeah. And it's whatever you want the world to be. It doesn't have to stem from mine. There are two types of people in this world. There are people that are microwaves, and there are people that are ovens. People that are microwaves... They enjoy the instant gratification of commodities, of exchanges, of transactions, of business or whatever. You know, they like that instant feedback. They like the IM messenger. They like the Facebook thing. They love text messages, being able to get instant feedback and instant responses, uh, instant food. You know, the world is instant. Everything is instant. Ready whip, minute rice, you know, uh, pressure cookers, and instant coffee, instant this, push dark cars, you know, all that, you know, instant. And 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 and, I, and this is just me. It's kind of just how I think, and I'm not, you know, disrespecting anybody. Okay, don't make it weird. I'm not making it weird. All right. But you know, and I feel like those kind of people they tend to really miss the beauty in things. And I, t- I feel like they tend to settle for the things that they really shouldn't settle for. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's beauty in conversation. There's beauty in getting to know someone. You know, there's so much to notice from going from one place to another. You know, there's so much 
to notice, you know, when traveling. I understand everybody likes to fly, and, you know, flying is a lot more convenient. There are lots of people that will prefer to fly instead of take a road trip with their family just because they want to get there quicker. And yeah, everybody's excited about getting there, but think about how much there is to see, like, on the way from wherever you are to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And it may be a state like Wyoming or something, but have you ever been to Wyoming? You know, do you know what's there? Who's to say, like, you couldn't see something interesting? You know, there's beauty in patience. You've got to have patience. And that's where people like ovens come in. People like ovens, they want what they want, and they want it to be done right. You know, if you ever notice, if you heat something up in the microwave, it doesn't come out the same as if you were to heat it up in the oven. Say, for example, you took a plate of fries. If you take a plate of fries, you warm them up in the microwave, they're going to be hot, but they're not going to really be good. They're going to be soggy. They're going to be flimsy. You know, they're going to taste a little weird, maybe a little like cardboard. If you put them in the oven, they're going to be hot. They're going to be firm. They're going to be crispy. Sometimes they might be a little dry, too, though. Sometimes. That's why you got to put a little oil down in the pan, you know, give them a little little crispy. Uh, But some people are like that. They like what they want and they want what they want. But they also are willing to take the time to wait to get the results that they want. It's not about instant gratification. It's not about getting it right then and there. It's about receiving something how they want it and how they have it in mind. And I think, like, hey, I I say that's great. And I can appreciate that. People, they're not really trying to rush and get anywhere in life. You know, they're not wasting time either. But they don't mind waiting for things. And they like quality. So, yeah. That's that. Well, just know, if y'all don't see your keys in about three weeks, the microwave industry took him. Because <laughs> he's just persuaded everybody in the world to get rid of their microwaves. <laughs> Kidding. They came and kidnapped me. Well, I guess that's the end of our questions, unless you want to read another one. Yeah, but I think that's enough time. So we're going to close this segment out and we'll be right back with our deep dive. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to get into our deep dive for the episode. And so what our deep dive is, is we take a topic, we take an idea or a concept, and we kind of discuss it from different views or perspectives. Um, We really just kind of go into it. We talk about the different perspectives and maybe even the personal opinions that Dallas and I have, and we kind of talk about those to each other, not really about convincing anybody of anything just uh, allowing one another to be honest and open about how we feel and being respectful to one another and just allowing us to to really talk and to really listen to one another Uh, and so Dallas is going to tell us what our deep dive for this week is so I got this deep dive um, from a graphic online And it says, what you believe to be true, is it really true? 
Or do you just believe that it's true because you were taught it was true and never looked any further? Mm. So really just exploring this notion of truth and how true is your truth? Mm-hmm. I feel like the first thing we need to really do is define truth. Okay. There are a few definitions of truth, but I think the one that makes the most sense here is a fact or belief that is accepted as true. Or that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. Hmm. That which is true in accordance to fact or reality. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what is what is truth to you? Like what does it mean for something to be true? I mean kind of just like what the definition said. It's in accordance with my current reality. Or with reality as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I mean, your reality is perception based anyway. Yeah. That's what some people think. I don't know. I feel. I think truth is. When I think of truth, I think of it as just a knowing. You know, something that you know, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I feel like truth is internal. Truth is something that nobody can convince you otherwise. You know, truth is something that you feel inside of you. You kind of just know. You kind of just have a knowing, you know? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what I feel truth is, really. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what all of us believe truth is. Truth is something that deeply resonates with you. Mm-hmm. But where do you start to differentiate between truth and distortion? And I think that's really what the graphic was trying to get you to think about is like, if you believe something to be true, of course you're going to hold on to it. But have you questioned what it is you believe to be true? For me, things things that I feel and believe to be true I don't doubt them I don't think about them because to me they are true you know and so I don't have to worry about it you know I would only doubt or second guess things or check up on things that I feel like might be questionable or false you know like um I don't know, like my mom, for example, you know, take her, like, I know she's my mom, you know, and I, and I believe that that is true. That's one truth in my life. She is my mom and I'm her child. You know, I don't have to worry about, well, what if she's actually a Russian spy? What if I'm not really hers, (laughs) you know, or what if, you know, I was adopted or something like, I don't, I don't believe those things. So I don't, they don't even really come to mind because that fact in my life I believe to be true I mean but that that is a, a truth you would know if that wasn't your mom or not okay now now I'm about to get really philosophical but you know I know she's my mom and you say you know that's a truth that's an obvious truth but I know she's my mom really because you know she told me that I'm that she's my mom you literally came out of her and there are witnesses that saw you come out of her mm-hmm. 
You even have a certificate that proves that you came to this world through your mother's body. There's a birth certificate with the name uh, like Jaquise Harden on it. indisputable. There are, I have a social security card, yes, a number. I have baby pictures of me, you know, there are pictures of her pregnant with me, you know. But how does one really know? I wouldn't doubt that because it's, because I, because I know it's true. But, you know, you take, uh, you know, religion or God, for example. To me, I, b I believe God to be true. I believe God to be real. You know, yes, he was taught to me, you know. Christianity was taught to me and, you know, the uh, the Bible and all that and believing in the Lord that was that was that was that was taught to me yes um, but I also I don't just believe that and know it to be true because of what was taught to me like I know it to be true because you know I've tried them you know I've prayed for myself and God has moved on my behalf you know I've been in need and God has provided like I've been in trouble and he's got me out of it you know, and all that, you know, I've, I've tried him and I've tried the spirit and God has, you know, proven himself to me. Yeah. And so for that, I know him to be true. Well, that brings up a really interesting conversation. I think about religion as a whole, because what is true for you may not be true for someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. We grew up in the Western hemisphere dominated by Christianity. As far as major world religions go, mm -hmm. they are the most followed and proclaimed religion in the Western Hemisphere. But if you were born in the Eastern Hemisphere, you probably wouldn't be a Christian. You know, in Eastern countries and Eastern cultures, they don't follow Christianity. It's also, you know... It's one of those things where it's kind of frowned upon by the culture and even, you know, punishable by death. By death to be a Christian in Eastern culture. You know, if you were born in India, you would probably be practicing Hinduism. Or if you were born in Israel, you'd be practicing Judaism. If you were born in the Middle East, you'd be practicing Islam. You know? Yeah. To each person in that culture, like, that is their central truth. And in the same way that you say, that's how you experienced God. That's how you know God to be true. The question becomes, then, is truth subjective to each person? Or is there an ultimate truth? Well, I feel like every culture has an ultimate truth. And when you think about religion, you know, Christians are going to say, you know, God is, you know, the God. He's the one and only God. You know, uh, you know, Islam are, are going to say, you know, Allah is God or whatever, you know, and Buddhists are going to say, you know, Buddha is God or whatever, or he's the one, you know, every, every organization, every religion in that culture, they believe that their way is the way. Uh, and so I feel like ultimate truth is subjective, totally. 
Uh, and the way I tend to really squash that, and you know, when I talk about it with, with people, I just say, well, you know, we're all going to die one day, and in the end, we're going to figure out, we're going to see who's right. Because <laughs> we're all going to go somewhere when we die, you know, and whether it's in heaven, you know, we're going to find out, or whether there's hell, or if there's both, we're going to figure it out. If we are reincarnated, we're going to figure that out. I think, see. though, there's a problem with that. I think there's a problem with that type of divisive thinking. Like, we're going to figure out in death, but while I'm here, let me put up all these borders and barriers between all of us. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that all of the walls and the divisions that we create between the major world religions and even the smaller ones are completely unnecessary because they go against every single thing that each of those messengers brought to us Mm -hmm. you know you said that like you know buddhists think buddha is god no that's not really how that works allah is actually just the arabic word for god it still refers to the one central god that we as Christians believe in. It's just another word for it. You know, but the Prophet Muhammad is a messenger. Just like Jesus is a messenger. Mm-hmm. Each of these major world religions focuses on a messenger, a God body that came as an incarnate of God and is believed to be the incarnate of God that brought redemption to humankind. That's really what all of the major world religions focus on. And so I think that it is quite ignorant to put up these barriers and these facades and these divisions between the major world religions when basically all of these messengers preach the same message. You know, that God is love. You're supposed to love everything, everyone, every piece of this world, including yourself. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be living in harmony with all things. And it's just interesting because, you know, I did question. I did question. I was, I guess, being raised like haphazardly in the Catholic tradition. We didn't start going to church regularly until I was like maybe... 11 or 12 mm-hmm. you know so the first part of my life like I knew who God was I knew just very basic things about God but I wasn't tied to a dogmatic religion mm-hmm. and when we started going to church especially like the Catholic church you know there are just very stringent beliefs and there are very stringent boundaries and things that you can do can't do should do shouldn't do and that really did not sit well with me because first of all I don't like it when people tell me what to do <laughs> I'm just bad with that you know yeah. and I felt like a lot of that was like oh well God is this there's no room for a discussion there's no room for question and answer there's no room to really explore that notion because this is it and mm-hmm. it's because I told you it is. So either get in line or go to hell. Right. That's a really uncomfortable thing to think about. So I decided when I went to college, I was like, yeah, so I'm actually done with this right now. 
I'm just gonna lay low and explore whatever comes to me. Yeah. In that time, like, I explored so many different concepts. Like, Buddhist concepts, Muslim concepts, Hindu concepts. Jewish concepts are kind of the same thing as Christian concepts. It's just Old Testament concepts. Right, right. Rastafarian concepts. Like, all of these things just started to appear to me through all types of avenues. You know, people I met in college, things I'd see on the internet. And I started to cross-reference them. There'd be periods in time where I did go back to church. Went to a Southern Baptist church for a while. Mm-hmm. Being in there affirmed all the things that I, w- that I was seeing through my various research. And it was interesting to me to see that these things were being confirmed in church. Yet they were from totally different ideas or schools of thought some of which weren't even tied to dogmatic religion sometimes. Mm. Viewing God as a universal force rather than like a man in the sky. Mm -hmm. The concepts of heaven and hell being not places but states of being, you know, things like that. They all meshed and intertwined and it really made me think, what is the truth? And it sent me in a spiral. I was in the rabbit hole for a while. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I just kept getting led back to Christianity. And even more so recently. I mean, with you and my friend Michaela and a few other things, like I was brought back around to reevaluating Christianity. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because even in like this new go around in exploring it God sends me confirmation through other people that I'm where I'm supposed to be but is that true I struggle with that that concept of truth what if none of it is truth and it's really just pathways pathways to God what if it doesn't even matter what you believe just as long as your pathway to God is made clear for you. Then that's your truth. But is your truth the truth? Well, you know, we all have our own lives. And, you know, I believe that there's there's one God, you know, and there's one Lord and Savior, you know, and he died for us all, even though, even for the ones that don't believe in him, you know, he still loves them. But, you know, be that as it may, I also know that we all live our own lives and we are judged, you know, for ourselves. We're held accountable for our own actions. You know, when we die, you know, when we go to heaven, and when God judges us, you know, he, he, he talks to us about us, the things that we do. But see, even that is a subjective truth. Well, I mean, that's, that's just what I believe is, is, is to happen. And so, you know, he's, he's going to talk to us and he's going to judge us for the things that we've done. You know, the good and the bad. He's going to talk to us about it all. Uh, and he's not going to worry about, well, how come we didn't save this person? 
you know, or whatever, or it's not going to be about, we got to face the Lord on our own, you know? And so with that, we have our own walks of life to live. You know, a lot of people have the same calling, you know, you know, a lot of people have the same gifts and talents or whatever, but we all have our own individual life to walk and we all have our own individual purpose, you know, to execute for God, even though we all may have the same gifts and talents. So would it be fair to assume then that blindly following a truth is following somebody else's version of the truth? Ask that again. So I'm getting back to the question really in a way, saying that if you've never really explored other truths, how do you know what you know is true? Right. Everything we live in is actually somebody else's truth. Fashion, what the trends are, that's what was true for someone else that just spread across society. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you mean. Well, like I was saying, we all have our own lives, and in each individual life path, different things happen, different experiences happen, and different discoveries and adventures happen. And so, how one may find truth for themselves may not be how another person finds it. And so, you know, you went through, you know, quite a journey uh, that I'm pretty sure was maybe fun at some point, exciting. I'm sure it was very beneficial, you know, and I'm sure it was very informative. Uh, no, it was confusing, and it was at times really hard. And I think that's what keeps people from exploring anything about their lives. Okay. You just accept truth because, like, you don't want to be uncomfortable enough to ask yourself questions. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I don't know, you allowed yourself, you know, to go on that journey because you, you knew and you believed that that was what it was going to take for you to find truth. You felt that's what you needed to do to find truth. I didn't need to do that. I mean, yeah, I was I was raised in the church, you know, and and all that, and so I haven't been exposed like to other religions. I haven't, you know, been a part of any other religion. You know, I have, you know, kind of I've looked into some and I've kind of studied, you know, some of the basics of some, some others. But I feel like that's just important to do anyway, uh, just so you can know what else is out there. but uh, you know, I haven't. I've, I've never had an issue like trusting in God or believing if there was a God or if what you know what was being taught at my church to me was true. I, I've never really doubted any of it, you know, and I've never had any doubts about it. I've never had any problems with it, you know. But that's just that's just me, you know. And I can't say that any other any of the other people that I grew up might have might not have had doubts or had their own little, you know, journeys. But me, I don't know, I believed. And, you know, when I started getting a little older and I began to develop more of a relationship with God and going to Bible study more and just kind of maturing more as a Christian, you know, I I realized and I understood the importance of really being, having a a, a well-rounded perspective. I understood the importance of, you know, not just listening 
to what you know the bishop is talking about what he's preaching about you know that we we were actually taught and i was actually taught at church you know to not just believe in god because you know the pastor is telling you to you know i was i was actually taught that we need to you know, have a heart for God on our own. We need to study him for our own. We need to read the word of God for ourselves to develop our own understanding, you know, and not just believe that, you know, God is a certain way because somebody else told us. We need to know that for ourselves, you know, and that's how we become confident and strong in him, you know, when it comes to defending our stance. You know, we can quote people all day long. Well, my mama said this and, you know, my pastor said this or whatever. But the real strength, the real juice comes from your own knowledge, from your own experience, from your own understanding. You know, and I was taught that at church. And so and I and I appreciated that. Uh, and, and it was stuff like that that they did that showed me that, you know, this isn't like some sort of cult. So, you know, they're not trying to convince people, you know, they're not just trying to acquire numbers or whatever, you know, but they really want people to just know for their, for themselves. And so, and that's what I did. You know, I began to read the word of God. I began to study. I began to look up things. You know, I began to, you know, study why certain things are the way they are and, and, and even how Christianity compares to other religions you know some of the uh, uh, other doctrines and and beliefs and values of other religions other organizations even some of the organizations within Christianity and so I'm non-denominational and so kind of looking how the the core values and beliefs at my church differ to that of a Methodist church and a Presbyterian church and a Baptist church, you know what I'm saying? It, it's important to do that, I feel. And so, and and even and even in all that, like I still had no doubt that God, you know, was real for me and that he was actually the God. You know, I did all that and I still do all that. So that way I could be just even that much more firm in my stance. That brings up a good question that I wanted to ask. You know, you keep saying doubt. I didn't doubt. Do you feel like doubt is the necessary component for you to want to explore? Like, for example, for me, it wasn't a doubt about God. It was that I wanted to form my own research. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about doubt. It was just about wanting to explore. Hmm. I fear that notion that you keep saying about doubt. That someone may be too afraid to explore really the true meaning of their faith or to explore without all of the teachings that you've ever had without all of the Bible studies you've always been to, without your pastor, without your mom, without, you know, all of these support groups around you, without the organization, without any of that. That willingness to explore can only be tied to doubt. 
And I think that's dangerous, really. It makes me think of cases, very extreme cases, of course, but like the Jim Jones case. You know, where he led all of those people to mass suicide because they did not question. They did not explore. As a religion aside, like, people don't think for themselves. You know, when the app Pokemon Go came out and people were just mindlessly following this app and, like, found themselves in the most treacherous of situations because they didn't use common sense to question themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it's a matter... You know, when it comes to religion, like, that's always a touchy subject. Politics, too. All of these can be lumped in together. Because it's not about questioning the institution. It's about questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. And people are afraid to do that. Yeah. When I went on my quest for the truth, my little mini quest for the truth, it wasn't about necessarily demonizing the church. Mm -hmm. or excommunicating myself from Christianity. It was hard for me to explain it because I was so angry that my questions weren't being answered that I was being punished for wanting to explore. That I couldn't really articulate that it wasn't about that. Mm. It wasn't about denouncing anything or renouncing my faith it was about basically saying i know what home feels like i want to go on a field trip and see what it's like to have dinner at someone else's house it wasn't ever about i'm gonna go be a buddhist or i'm gonna go be a muslim it was just like i want to go have a snack at my friend's house down the street and you told me i should love everybody so that should be okay with you because mm -hmm. i'm gonna come home if it was about denouncing faith, I wouldn't be, by choice, coming back and exploring mm -hmm. again. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with exploring your faith in a way that it takes you out of your comfort zone. Mm. That it completely takes you away from the typical Bible study. True. That it takes you away from the typical people you sit next to at church if it even takes you away from your own church to explore your faith from the lens of a different person, mm -hmm. I think that's also exploring. I don't think that exploring just means that, oh, well, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore because it's not really what it's about. Mm -hmm. But people are afraid to disrupt the status quo. Yeah. People are afraid to disappoint other people that they literally just don't explore. And I think that's the question, the real question that we opened this with. How do you know it's true if you've never stepped outside of yourself to explore if it really is true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a deep sense of knowing, but do you ever question? It's like when you make a choice, you don't ever question yourself once you make the choice whether you made the right choice or not. Sometimes we do. Up until we learn that we did make the right choice. But in order to understand that, you had to explore. Your options before you chose. And you had to identify what happened when you did choose. So 
why do we do that with certain things in life, but we don't with others? Mm -hmm. I see what you mean. Well, I I got saved officially when I was 14. I actually thought I was saved my whole life uh, until I got a little older and I realized, you know, what it really took. I remember that night and I remember the minister that I talked to. Um, And it just happened to be a minister. I didn't have to talk to a minister. He was just, he was the one that, you know, led me towards salvation and he prayed with me and he told me what I needed to do. Um, And I remember, you know, he told me, he said, go and, you know, testify to, I think he said 10 people, (laughs) you know, go just tell people that I, that I just got saved, go tell somebody. And, and he also told me to go tell my mom. And I did. He was with me. You know, he brought my mom over. And he was like, your son, he has something he wants to tell me. And my mom, she looked so nervous. Cause she thought maybe I had gotten in trouble. But, you know, I looked at her. And I told her, I, and I started to tear up. I was, And I said, I'm saved. You know, and she just started crying and boohooing and she hugged me so tight and when she hugged me I felt this I felt like a I guess you can consider it like some sort of euphoria experience but I felt something that started from the wells of my belly and it boiled up it was boiling and it sprang out out of me and I just I got weak in my knees and I I cried so hard harder than I ever cried before I wasn't sad about anything, but it was just, it was a cry that came out of me, and I couldn't help it. And it was so hard; it was such a hard cry. It was almost like a wail. And you know, and I knew that was just the presence of God, you know, coming upon me. I felt that that experience, that experience in that moment, showed me, told me convince me that what I just did who God is is real that he actually is there you know this is true in my life you know I couldn't I couldn't doubt it even if I wanted to because it's like this just happened I just felt the presence of God in me come from a place that I didn't even know was within me how can I even second guess it? Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. And so, I don't know, for me, that, that answers that question there. You know, there was... And if it, to me, for me, if there was anything to explore, I just kind of wanted to, like, feel that, explore that feeling some more and kind of feel that feeling again. You know, but I, don't know, I couldn't even really think twice about it because what happened canceled out any possible doubt and so I guess the question I have for you really is when you went on your you know spiritual journey you know what did you gain from it what did you learn what did you bring back home What I've acquired now that I've explored, rather than when I just stayed in the same place, 
it's opened me up to a deeper understanding of the world around me. Mm-hmm. It eradicated my fear of people. It eradicated my fear of belief systems. It, it totally shattered the notion of separation because it showed me that we're all pretty much striving for the same purpose. There may be rules that are different. You know, you have to wear this. You don't wear this. You know, you do this. You don't do that. These are the rules. You stand up here. You sit here. You kneel towards, you know, the West or whatever. You know, when you pray, you pray towards Mecca. Like, there's totally different things in every religion. But the main directive is the same. It really took away the concept of condemnation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of the reason why people leave the church is because they feel condemned. And most church people will say, ah, oh, it's not con- condemnation, it's conviction. You felt convicted and it just hit you too hard. <laughs> That's not true. When you spread hate and fear on a level so much that somebody feels condemned, they're going to want to run away. When you back somebody into a corner with shame and guilt, they're not going to come back. What exploring my, all of these different ideas and concepts taught me is like, there's no reason for you to be ashamed or guilty. Mm-hmm. No reason. A lot of the reason why we're scared to do anything is because we feel guilty. Mm. We feel like we're going to be ashamed or we're going to be shamed or we're going to be punished. You know, we have to do things a certain way. We have to be an exact certain person to be worthy of love or to be worthy of acceptance or worthy of praise. Going on this spiritual journey, if that was the case, that I had to be a certain way in order to obtain favor, I wouldn't have half the things that I have now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have clarity. I wouldn't have peace of mind. I wouldn't be abundantly blessed. According to that, I'd be living in darkness or living in shame, living in fear. And it wasn't until I started questioning all the things that I was taught that I felt liberation. Hmm. Not questioning to condemn it, not questioning it to throw it away, not questioning it to ridicule it or to be like one of these self-righteous Facebook people who are super spiritual and nothing can touch them and Christianity is stupid. It wasn't about any of that. It was literally about saying, okay, this is what I was taught, but what else is there to know? The boxes we put around ourselves are so small, they literally can't fit you. Beliefs, I feel like, are ever-changing. In the spiritual journey that I'm on right now, I've accepted that I have the freedom, the sovereignty by God, to believe what I want, Mm -hmm. to do what I want, because that's between me and God. Mm -hmm. And that nobody has the right 
or the say so to interfere with that process. That's true. And no one has the right, as you said earlier, about judgment. Nobody has the right to judge or to push me mm-hmm. in any way that I don't allow them to. My journey is solely my own. Yeah. I just hope that people take a chance to understand something other than themselves. Mm-hmm. Not to renounce anything, not to change your belief system, not to do any of that, but just to have a deeper understanding of the world around you. It's like, okay, I know my house. You know, the four walls that I live in, the two-story, five-bedroom house that I'm in. It's like saying you're never going to leave your house because you're afraid if you leave your house, if you go outside, that you'll you never come home. <laughs> like, no, that's your house. You're always going to want to go back home. That's the thing you know the most. You know where every painting is. You know where every sock is. Like, you know yeah. where everything is. That's your home. But it doesn't hurt for you to say, oh, well, I have a really cool neighbor and they seem to have a lot in common with me. We eat two different types of food. They have different types of paintings in their house. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I'll just go and ask them about it or maybe I might just sit with them for a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe I might go have dinner at their house. That's how you start to understand the world around you. It's not about never going home. Mm -hmm. It's just about understanding. You're never going to know what the real truth is if all you do is stay in the house. I understand. That's my perspective on it. Couldn't have said it better. I think that's great. I really do. I think it's great. And I, I really think that there's true value. There's true value in asking questions there is true value in exploring there's true value in differences and there's also value in similarities i feel like there's nothing wrong with thinking about other things you know looking into different ideas you know and you know this this path this journey that you're on that you've been on you know for some years now like I feel like that's great. Like I feel like that's you know smart. You know I don't. Know, I feel like people that do that and you you know just doing this. Hmm. I, I feel like you. Of course, your mind is more open. You know. I feel like it gives deeper understanding. You know, and I feel like it gives you a closer idea and a closer connect connection to what may actually be quote unquote true and or real. I think that it really is really, 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 really is great, you know, that you have so many different just perspectives and that you've been able to tap into many different things and ideas and to really just see for yourself. Like I think that's great. Like I think it is. And so Yep. And so I think that, you know, that's going to wrap up, you know, uh, our first deep dive for Don't Make It Weird, 
It's been a wonderful, wonderful discussion. It has been. It's been awesome. That wraps it up for our deep dive this week. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come right back in. Dallas is going to give us some affirmations. We'll be right back. every episode we want to leave you with positive affirmations to start your week on the right foot wherever it is that you're starting the week listening to us this week affirmations are one of the most powerful ways to impact your life because what you think about yourself and your situation what you say about yourself and your situation is what you believe about yourself and your situation. That belief about yourself and your current situation projects who it is that you are in the next moment and how your situation evolves. And so the two of us definitely believe that words mean things and speaking life will change the trajectory of your situation. So we will affirm with the pronoun I, and we will also give some pause in between each affirmation so that you are able to repeat it, whether it be aloud or internally, so that you too can take part in changing the trajectory of your life. I am happy to be alive. I am grateful for my life and for all the people and things in my life. I am abundantly blessed and infinitely provided for. I communicate with God through my thoughts, my words, and my actions, and God responds to me accordingly. I respect myself. I honor myself. I have integrity. I use my words wisely. I take action towards my goals. I make my dreams happen. I am loved unconditionally. I love myself unconditionally. I am safe to love other people unconditionally. I am divinely guided and protected at all times. All great things flow to me with ease. 
I pray that those affirmations that came to me through my heart resonated with you this week. I hope that you took the time to affirm those things for yourself and that you come back to these affirmations anytime that you need to speak victory into your life. And now we'll go ahead and close out the episode. Alright guys, that wraps up our very first episode of Don't Make It Weird. Thanks for listening this week, guys. We really hope you enjoyed it. We hope that you will stick around with us throughout the duration of our series. We ask that you tune in next week. And as we like to say here, say what you must, just Just don't don't make make it it weird. weird. Have a great week, guys. Bye, guys.